G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I met a guy, and you could imagine, you know, a young, love starved child just wanting that attention of love. And so then he suddenly started seeing cracks in my personality. And so he kind of realized that this was trouble. And so he called off our engagement. And it was during that period that I decided that I wanted to marry him. And there was nothing that was going to stop me from marrying this guy. And so I lied to him. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we have another one that could easily be made into a movie. Samantha Jackal grew up in an extremely abusive family and had a strong desire to find Mr. Wright, who would take her away from all her troubles. However, she made a grave mistake when she decided to trick her boyfriend into marrying her by saying she was pregnant. We'll find out how God steps in to miraculously heal her life and her marriage as she has a chat with Karen Hunt. Tell me what your family life was like as a young and and what characterised that season of your journey? Yeah, look, um, growing up, I actually grew up with my parents being alcoholics. So my father was a really abusive man, a, a physically abusive, and was in and out of prison. And my mother was also an alcoholic and quite manipulative um, and would play a lot of emotional games with myself and my siblings Mm -hmm. but also as I was getting older she actually um, was sexually abusing me as well which you don't often hear of mums doing that but that was what happened in my case Um, and so growing up was quite traumatic in my younger years and when I reached around the age of seven I was asked to stay down in my class and it was then that I met this little girl and in my book her name's Heidi Jones it's uh, not her real name but um, and Heidi became like a special friend that introduced me to church and to Christianity and to God and so from then on Heidi's family kind of took me under their wing and made me part of their family even though it wasn't uh, a formal foster care or adoption or anything I just knew I could call on her family whenever I need to and I could go up there for, you know, dinner or go away with them on the weekend to their farm. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first introduction to what a Christian family looked like or a normal family, if there's such a word as normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from about the age of 10, I accepted Jesus into my heart. And even though the abuse was going on still in my family life and at home I had this great family around me to help me get through eventually that kind of that abuse outworked itself in my teenage years and I went off the rails and just kind of became quite manipulative and lied a lot and then um, I eventually got married and that certainly outworked in my married life and then um, I had some amazing prayer ministry and uh, God really touched my life and with some counseling I you know and with the help of God I was able to turn that all around to um, being able to be a functional 
you know, young woman back in my early or mid-twenties. And my marriage, you know, to Peter just grew stronger and stronger from that point. And we now have five beautiful teenage kids, as you said, been married for 26 years and have been able to take people into our care as well. Samantha, what a synopsis in less than three minutes. Congratulations. Quite a bit, if you could imagine. (laughs) I think you've practiced that one, have you? No, actually, I was just thinking, (laughs) often I get stopped and asked what was the purple pants about because I wrote an autobiography (laughs) about my purple pants. Well, of course, I was actually about to say, you mentioned the word book. I hadn't mentioned that Mm -hmm. earlier, but yes, you have written an autobiographical book or text entitled My Purple Pants. Obviously, that's the book you're referring to with regards to Heidi Jones. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so about a few years ago, I um, I had it really laid on my heart. It was over a process of actually about eight years that I thought, you know, maybe I need to write a book and really just thanking Jesus for what he had done in my life and thanking mm-hmm. God for where he had brought me. He's just completely turned my life around. And um, over the process of that eight years, I kind of fought the idea and thought, no, 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 I won't. And and eventually I sat down and and wrote my purple pants um, to be an encouragement to other people that have been through abuse and to show them that there is healing and you can recover and you can be transformed. Now, I'm just guessing here the relevance of the colour purple, but maybe you should tell me, is there a particular reason why you chose purple other than the alliteration of the purple pants? (laughs) No. Yeah, look, it was a story. So when I was around 13, coming from such a dysfunctional home and we were certainly poor, I often wore everyone else's clothes, all the hand-me-downs, and I had saved up $6, and this day I thought I'd go down the street and buy myself something new, and I often gave my mother every cent I got um, just because that was the way she had taught us that she deserved everything we had and so I took this six dollars snuck down the street on my bike went into a shop and saw these amazing purple corduroy pants and you could imagine it's early 80s (laughs) these were really in and um (laughs) so I tried them on they you know I thought they looked amazing um and looked at the price tag and they were not six dollars but forty dollars and so I then back then you could lay by and so I asked the lady if I could lay by them and she said sure can and I put the six dollars on them and rode all the way home and on the way home I was thinking you know how selfish I should have given the money to my mom I'm never going to be able to pick them up this is ridiculous you know I just kind of beating myself up in my head more Mm -hmm. than anything and Mm -hmm. got home and went out the back and we had this old swing and I was swinging on the swing when my mother yelled at me that there was a knock at the door and so I ran through the house and opened the door and there was just absolutely no one there and we lived in a housing commission area that was really well known for domestic violence so it was really rare for it not to be noisy in our street and there was just no one anywhere in our street there's no cars there was no kids out playing there was just silent and I looked down and here's a brown package and in that package was the purple pants that I had tried on that morning and so you know being a bit suspicious as I am and inquisitive Mm -hmm. I rode all the way back down the street and went into the shop and asked her and said you know who picked up these pants I came in this morning and she looked at me and said you did you came back and you picked up the pants and I was like no I did not 
And, you know, for me, as a young kid, that was just almost like a, a kiss from heaven. Yeah. It was like, even though the abuse didn't stop, it was like God was there and he provided me with these purple pants. It just was this amazing love that I felt, overwhelmed by the Father. And, you know, I don't know if that was an angel sent in or if someone from the church saw me go in and then, you know, ran in after me or something. But to this day, in my heart, it just um, really showed me the absolute love of the father for his daughter and like I said it didn't take away from the abuse but it certainly just showed me he was walking with me. That is so very special I think for me my first assumption was the uh, the use of the colour purple referring to perhaps bruising in that time of your life okay. but yeah. it's very interesting to hear what you've said definitely touched by an angel Samantha this particular book has actually been changing the lives of countless abuse children such as yourself let's press the fast forward button so your teenage years and your early young adult years what were they like where did your journey take you yeah look I was completely messed up and I was still going to a church attending um, youth group but I had moved to Melbourne so I was in the country and I met a guy and you could imagine uh, you know a young love-starved child Mm -hmm. just wanting that attention of love and so Um, My boyfriend and I, um, our relationship got serious. He asked me to marry him and I said yes and that was also exciting and then he suddenly started seeing cracks in my personality because I had no closure other than hiding my past and what it looked like Mm. and so he kind of realized that this was trouble and so he called off our engagement. His name's Peter. And our friendship still was very strong and so he and I eventually uh, fell before our marriage and had sex and it was during that period that I decided that I wanted to marry him and there was nothing that was going to stop me from marrying this guy. And so I lied to him and told him I was pregnant and him just being um, really wanting to be a godly man even though we had done this, you know, we... We were really sorry for what we had done, but because he really wanted to be a godly man, he said, look, we're going to get married and we'll work this out. And so we planned a wedding and got married in three months. But just before we got married, I told him that I had miscarried the baby. And he was broken, you know, Mm -hmm. that one, he was thrown into this marriage. He was going to marry a girl that he wasn't even sure he uh, loved. And then two, now the baby that he thought I was carrying Mm -hmm. was now gone. Mm -hmm. And so we did get married. And our first year of marriage was just hell. As you could imagine, um, I was really argumentative. I was manipulative. I would lie to him regularly. And he eventually just said, Sam, I don't know how we're going to survive this you know I I want a marriage to last forever and I just can't see this happening we would be up two or three in the morning just me screaming at him and um, I decided that if I told him the truth that would probably set me free and just you know he'd become a uh, you know a knight in shining armor and he would just wrap his arms around me and say it's all going to be good now and so I had organized for the leaders of our church to come together and I told them as well as Peter that I lied to him I was never pregnant and I never miscarried the baby and we separated for one whole year you know he just walked out of there a broken man and I was already broken this just kind of poured more insecurities into my life as well and um 
it was through that period that God really spoke to Peter and talked to him about Joshua 9 and just talked about the deceit. He uh, made a covenant with the Gideonites under the um, under a cover of deceit, but the Lord said he had to honor that. And so that's exactly what he felt. The Lord say, you know, you didn't inquire of me before you married Sam, and so I want you to go back and to her, and I want you uh, to pray for her. And so a year later he came back and he uh, said to me, you know, I'm going to sleep in this room and you're going to sleep there, and we're just going to pray and we're going to seek God and ask him exactly what he wants to do in this situation and it was through that time that God through a lot of prayer ministry and through counseling that God really set me free and turned my life around and it took lots of hard work on my heart to be able to on my behalf to be able to work through issues um, but faithfully God walked with me through that journey and completely flipped our lives around and you know 26 years on we're still happily married and probably more in love now than we ever have been wow my goodness me I so mean that was the short version oh <laughs> yeah I mean two very courageous acts firstly on your part to fess up and be honest with Peter and the other courageous act my gosh his decision to yeah take you back to renew your relationship and look forward with a hope and with a future. Very, very special. And what, 26 years, you're saying? Yeah, so, you know, if you think back, I was 21 and he was 23 going on 24. So we weren't mature people back then. Uh God really did a work in us. And, yeah, we just saw the power of God, especially, you know, on our marriage, Mm -hmm. you know. And, um, yeah, all glory to him for what he's done. You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Samantha Jackal, author of the book My Purple Pants, about her extremely dysfunctional childhood where she learned to deceive at an early age and how she tricked her boyfriend into marrying her. Next, we'll hear more about how it all turned around and what she's doing these days when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Samantha Jackal, author of the book My Purple Pants, about her life story of growing up in an extremely dysfunctional family. Next, she shares more of her story and how she has been able to help a young lady from a similar troubled background. Right now, you've got five teenage children of your own, aged 14 Mm -hmm. to 18. How long did you have in your marriage with no kids? Yeah, we had seven years all up. Uh So we had the first few um, years of trouble where uh, we had a year of marriage and then a year of separation. And then Peter came back. And look, it was about it took about four years for us to come to a place where we could actually look at each other mm-hmm. and laugh mm-hmm. and say we loved each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a real hard yards in there. I remember one of the toughest conversations we had was we sat was in our kitchen mm-hmm. and we said to each other, we don't love each other. This is a commitment marriage. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just kept bringing that before God. Lord, this is a commitment marriage. You need to give us love for each other. And, you know, God, 
God did that. He, uh, he's faithful, you know, he's faithful to answer our prayers. And so eventually, you know, over time we found ourselves laughing and enjoying each other's company. And before we know it, you know, our commitment had turned into love and um, it became a flourishing love marriage, not just a commitment. And what a difference that makes, hey? Absolutely it does. And and like I said, you know, God is faithful to answer our prayers, but it does take the hard yards for us to walk, you know, alongside that as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being willing to share your story. I mean, your earlier years were certainly turbulent ones. And, you know, as a wife and as a mother, 26 years ago, you married Peter. You're still together even throughout the challenge times. You now have five teenage children, 14 to 18. I'm gathering there might be some twins in there. Yeah, uh, number three and three and four are twins. Okay. A, a girl boy. Uh-huh. And within like, the middle of having your own children, you made a choice to take in another young person. Tell us about that. Yeah, look, we got a phone call. My twins were eight months old and we, our oldest was three. And we got this phone call one night from a distraught girl on the other end. Now, we had met this young lady once before in our home mm-hmm. and I could tell something was wrong with her. Um, I think when you've come from an abusive situation, you can recognize abuse. And so we knew there was um, issues in her life. And so we gave her our phone number and said, if ever you need us, give us a call. Um, and left it at that. So a few weeks passed and we get this phone call from this uh, girl who is desperate on the other end. It's a rainy night in Melbourne, which isn't unusual, mm-hmm. but um, and uh, it was freezing cold and this girl says, you know, I'm heading out to Tullamarine for a few nights and then I'm going to hit the streets. And I was like, who is this? What are you doing? Um, and it turned out her name was Beverly. And she was basically running away from home. She had had enough and was leaving. Now, she was 19, but at that point in time, she probably was emotionally around the age of 13, 14 maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we um, asked her to stay where she was. Now, she had thought that she had rung her sister, so she was shocked to find out that she hadn't rung her sister, but she had rung me instead. And so we convinced her to stay put. She was at a service station, and I drove out and picked her up and brought her back to our house. And that's 16 years ago. So she's lived with us. Well, she's not physically living with us right now, but Mm -hmm. she's lived with us over all those years and certainly part of our family. And my children certainly would see her as their big sister. So we picked Bev up and then we just did life with her. We walked with her um, through her journey. uh, And, you know, as much as it was hard as she worked through all the stuff, all the layers of hurt and pain in her life, uh, it was really a privilege to be able to walk with her and see her now, like she's 35 now, and an absolute gorgeous young woman and a beautiful heart for people and um, loves God with all her heart. And we're just so proud of her and where she's come from and where she is now. So in a sense, you could say, hey, you're a 46-year-old mum. You have a 35-year-old daughter. Yeah, I know. We <laughs> laugh about that because when she was a lot younger, you know, that 11 years was quite big. Wow. Uh, where now the gap closed a little yeah. bit. But yeah. anyway. Sam, I'm curious to know, I mean, as a children's pastor, were you in that role at that time or you just were able to identify with this young girl what she was going through and uh, your heart just wanted to take her in? 
Yeah, look, I wasn't in that role at that time. Mm -hmm. um, I was certainly a, a stay-at-home mum looking after my four children. Mm -hmm. um, and so when Bev came to live with us, it was just a point that I had walked that journey before. And like I said earlier, you know, you can sense when someone's been abused or in an abusive situation. Mm -hmm. I think when you've walked it, you just see it in other people. Um, you discern it. And so being a children's pastor is actually more of a recent thing. Now that my children are older, uh -huh. I'm uh, doing that now one day a week and then, of course, on Sunday. So. Now, I guess I'd love to conclude this conversation with an encouragement to women in particular, to mums in particular, to wannabe mums in particular, to mums in waiting. What's your heart? How would you encourage them in their walk today living in our Australian society? Yeah, look, one of the things that burns within me is that your past does not define who you are today mm. and it doesn't have to define. So if you were from an abused background, that does not define the person you are mm -hmm. and that with the help of uh, Jesus and, and God, you know, we can we can turn that right around. So, you know, my situation is that my past does not define my mothering skills or who I am now, but God defines who that is. And to give a solid, safe foundation for your children to grow in. You know, it's vital that we give them a solid foundation. And to me, that that foundation to be so solid can only be if it's based in Christ. It can't be uh, if you're not, you know, you really need to hang on to that and, and then instill that into our kids. And so my children, you know, it's my prayer uh, that they they will not be defined by who I was. They will be defined by who God has created me to be mm. in this moment mm -hmm. um so they know my past of course they know you know where i've come from they've met the rallies they they see it but they can see that wow you know mum, you're not who you know the world would have said you would have been you know i would have been on the chart of should have been an alcoholic you know statistics says i should have been an alcoholic or perhaps an abuser or perhaps i shouldn't even be here you know i should have committed suicide years ago if you were to look at statistics and the way i was raised up that's what the world would say but when we have christ that turns and transforms us and it does not define us and that would be my passion you know that you have to believe that where you've come from does not define where God is taking you and to give that solid solid safe foundation for our children to grow in you are an inspiration Samantha and I've got to ask you if anyone wants to get their hands on your book my purple pants how can they find it yeah, they can go to the web, www.mypurplepants.com, and um, we can send them a copy. Word and Kurong were, um, I did have it in stock. I'm not sure if it's still in stock, but um, yeah, they certainly can get it from our website. God bless you, Samantha. God bless your family, and uh, with all that you're doing, we look forward to hearing more. Thank you so much. That was Karen Hunt chatting with Samantha Jackal, author of the book, My Purple Pants, about her life story. And as Samantha just said, our past does not define us. With God's help, we could overcome extreme abuse and highly dysfunctional behaviour from our childhood. Samantha is certainly living proof of that. Once again, her website is mypurplepants.com. 
Com. Also, if anything Samantha talked about today has raised issues from your own life that you'd like to talk to someone about and pray with, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's one 800 We would love to pray for you at one 800 Well, thanks for joining us for this inspiring story of overcoming. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I was a confused high school student. I was failing in school. I was in electrical shop trying to wire light bulbs and things. And it was right in the middle of that when one of my teachers, who was a Christian, invited me to go to a retreat. And the speaker at that retreat was Ravi Zacharias. Eric Scadabo grew up in the United States, served as a radio missionary with his wife in South America before coming to live in Australia in 2003. We turn the tables and interview an interviewer and find out his story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.